done this thing. Hello, welcome to episode four. First three episodes have been horror. This is, well, it's sci-fi horror, isn't it, really? It is, yes. I I hope we don't make quite a mess of it. Have you been Been planning that that one for the last two weeks? It's an exclusive joke. Oh, look at you go, Ian. Look at you go. go. Yeah, this is a a sci-fi horror, um, which is quite quite unusual, because Hammer had done... Uh, a couple of sci-fi films, haven't they? Or at least one. The Is it Four-Sided Triangle? Which I remember watching yeah. years ago on Channel 4, and it was so boring, so pedestrian. And so, like, it, it was a, a, a love triangle set in space. It was so yeah. dull. Um, and then then this, as a sci-fi horror, um, and it's, uh, it's, it's an amazing little film, considering its age. Um, mm. Very when I was I sort of watched it a couple of times, no hardship. I, I love the film. Um, watched it a couple of times, and it's sort of trying to think with okay, if I was in nineteen, was it nineteen fifty five, somewhere around 54. that, was it fifty five, fifty six, fifty four, was it? So if I'm watching this in nineteen fifty four, what else have I got to go on? And there's not a lot because around that time you had a couple of American sci fi stuff, and you. You know, the thing from another world was what fifty one. Yeah. So you had a bit of it, but this is so realistic compared to all the others. It's almost a police drama, isn't it? A police procedural. It's amazing, amazing you should say that yeah. because Val Guest wanted to film it as a documentary. Really? It has got it, a real yeah. documentary feel to it, hasn't it? It is. It's so grounded. It's so realistic. Um, I, I I just imagine what audiences made of this. Um, well, I it, know, it's gone into folklore, hasn't it? Everybody rushed yeah. home to watch it the next instalment, didn't they? Yeah, for 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 Quatermass, the TV show. Because what year was Quatermass Experiment, the TV show? That was 50, 53. 53. Was yeah. And yeah, obviously folklore. I think it was probably true where people would rush home, clear the streets to go and watch it. And um, the pubs. And the pubs, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I I don't think I mean I'm probably getting into sacrilegious territory here, but it's it's our opinions, isn't it? Um, I think this version is better than the BBC version. Well, we've only got two. We've episodes. only got two episodes and the yeah. script. Yes. But judging on those two episodes and the rest of the script, and a lot of the stuff that they cut out and the the, the problems you had because it was done live. Um, with scene breaks and things like that, I, I think this is a much much better version. Um, the the original version is uh, is very long winded, very talky. It's a it's basically a radio drama, but with with moving pictures, isn't it? The original. Yeah, because when it's a six part TV serial, it can you can take your time, can't you? Yes. Um, um, it's much like you know the. The, on Disney Plus, the Star Wars TV shows, people go, "Oh, it's so boring," but it can take its time if it's like yeah. eight episodes, you know. Yeah, um, you, you and can you take can't do that when you've got an hour and a half to tell a tale. Yeah, it's got to be much because I know Nigel Neal hated this version, didn't he? he hated the yes. exclusive version, um, and I think he's wrong. I mean, I think Nigel Neal's wrong on many, many things. I'm entirely sure he was a particularly nice man, but. He's de- I think, certainly from my point of view, he's wrong on this. Because a film is a different beast to a TV show. And if they'd have just done a three-hour 
film version of the TV show, it wouldn't have worked. Um, I think I think this is this is almost the perfect adaptation of a TV series into a film. Mm. Um, I, like I said, I know Nigel Neal would vehemently disagree with me, um, but yeah, you couldn't do it because because the other thing you got to remember. And Quatermass two, the TV series, especially true of this, but this Quatermass experiment TV show was suffered from it as well because the the way they it was filmed, it was filmed as a live play, so it was broadcast live, um, and so you had to you had to split scenes up with yeah. other scenes. So you had to you got a scene with Quatermass and the main cast. You then had to put in a scene with secondary cast. So to give the main cast time to get into their positions for the next scene that they're in. And so you, you, if you look at the script and certainly watching the first couple of episodes, it's so obvious. So you, you'll be going, okay, story, story. Oh, what the hell is this? Yeah. And there'll be a, a, an aside to inconsequential stuff. And especially the first episode of the, uh, the, the, the TV show version of Experiment, like the, the old woman in the house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh god! And it was to allow the cast time to get about. Um, and of, obviously, a film—you don't have that that uh, requirement. Um, but what do you think, right? I mean, I would love it if if the other four episodes were discovered. Yes, I mean, but I, well, I mean they weren't. This recorded, wasn't a so case. Yeah, not yeah, going to be discovered. Exactly. No, yeah. That somebody had filmed them. You know, yeah. off their off the telly. And, yeah, you could and, get and, someone did it on Super Eight or something. Yeah, yeah. So, fortune, so but. what about then if the BBC were to to get four the other four episodes and yeah. then you transfer it, you know, digitize it, get it into HD, and then eliminate all the filler scenes and just cut all that out, so you've only got the meat in I, it. I think that would greatly improve it. Um, there are some fundamental differences between the TV version and, and the film version. And again, the stuff that Nigel Neal didn't like. So obviously the ending of the TV show, uh, quite a mass talks to the humanity mm-hmm. left with Victor and the other three guys, uh, the other two astronauts and um, talks it into committing suicide, which is, is an interesting idea, but I, I think, and I sort of, I agree with Hammer here that it's not a cinematic solution. I think electrocuting it sort of works better. Filmatically, um, it does. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, and that's something Val Guest wanted to do. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're building towards the climax of a film and it ends with somebody being talked to death, it's not yeah. that climatic, really, is it? I- exactly. Um I mean, the even even worse version is. Do you remember when they did the um, the live version mm-hmm. uh, in the was it the early two thousands? It was, yeah, it was um, yeah. Uh, David Tennant and that, and and that. I mean, it doesn't really work. It's interesting, it doesn't really, and it gets to the final scene, and it's like we built up to this. Yeah, and I think there's an element of that. I mean, it it sort of it fits in with what Nigel Neal was trying to do, which is. Nigel Neal's big thing was sort of the humanity and everything, wasn't it? That mm-hmm. that we can rise above the fact that we're, you know, very intelligent apes. Yes. Um, and that sort of fitted. But also in the TV version, the, the, the other big change, I suppose, is that Karun isn't the 
sort of silent, sympathetic, haunted presence he is in this film. So I don't, I don't think it would have worked. I know there's a uh, there's a Val Guest quote where he said they couldn't, and this I think this is this is awful. They said they couldn't really uh, visualize Brian Dunleavy doing a big talky scene mm. at the end of the film, which I think is terrible because in Quatermass Two, Brian Dunleavy does have some lots of talky scenes, and I I think he's excellent in this. He is what this story needed as a lead figure. I know that a lot of fans don't like his portrayal. I think he's pitch perfect really in this. I, I, I must yeah. say, I'm not a big fan of him. He's certainly yeah. not my, I know no, he's your favorite Quatermass, yes, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. not mine. Andre Morel is, is my favorite. I, yeah. Andre Morel, very, very close second. Um, probably then followed by Andrew Keir. Reginald Tate is an interesting Quatermass. But I think incredibly bland. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And again, I can't, I can't see Reginald Tate, his version of Quatermass in a big film. Um, I think it would, if you would, you would probably been better off at that point cutting the Quatermass character out altogether and having Briscoe as the main character because, I yeah, I don't think that you need you needed a larger than life character like Brian Donlevy's performance. Um, I don't know how much of the, the fans sort of hatred for him is because he's an American brought over to play a very, very British character. But that, that was a, yeah. that was a staple of the time, wasn't it? Oh, to get to, yeah. to, to promote it in America, a British film had to have an American yes. star yeah. uh, or at least a, a hook. I mean, um, Brian Don, Don, Donlevy, he, he was towards the end of his career, wasn't he? Yeah. The, uh, the booze had got a, a, a hold of him, um, but you still needed someone if you're going to sell it you to, to the yeah, states. Yeah, you had to have an American star to sell it to the states, which I, I think is quite blinkered. But you can sort of understand it. Why? Why would an American audience in Kentucky care about a bunch of Brits running about? It's yeah. You've got to have something. You've got to have something. I mean, they did it with X the Unknown, didn't they? With Dean Jagger. Mm. Who I think was really good. He would have made a great Quatermass. I mean, he was Quatermass, wasn't he? It was just that Nigel Newman said, "You're not using that name, bugger yeah. off," um, until you pay me, and then then my uh, my hypocrisy knows no bounds. Well, um, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you, 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 you know, you say Nigel wasn't uh, happy with the film and everything, and an awful lot of this was his resentment because he was a BBC employee. Yes, when he thought up Quatermass, and um, you know, I mean, it, it's astonishing, you know, the legacy Quatermass has got, and yet he was given the job of of writing this six part series because they had a gap in the schedule, they had nothing to fill yeah. it, and it's like, come on, write something. But yeah. he was a BBC employee, which means that everything was owned by the BBC, which meant he got no extra payment when the film version, when Hammer said, we're going to do a film version. Yeah. But he knew he was under that contract. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to bleat about it afterwards. I mean, Terry Nation was hired by the BBC. He wasn't a BBC employee. So he owned, he, he, he kept the rights to his stuff, the Daleks, etc. But the drawback of that is, he didn't know whether the next week he would have a paycheck coming in. Mm. So if you're going to work for the BBC, I mean, it's standard now, isn't it? If you're, if you're say a software developer and you're working for a company that they own everything you create, 
Um, so I, yeah, I think there's there's definite there's a definite touch of uh, of resentment, isn't there, in a lot of yeah. of Nigel Neal stuff. And you know, I mean, if you've created something, then anyone changing it, it does it does hurt. You know. Yeah, but he, he he was he was not a stupid man. Far from it. No, he was no, very, very intelligent, very and he intelligent. must have understood that you know, Hammer are making a yeah. film version. It's got to run in an hour and a half. It can't be longer than that because it's going to in, invariably be part of a double bill, and yep. double bills are three hours, so you need two one and a half hours. So you've got to jettison a lot. I mean, the the journalist who's in you know the the original, he's gone yep. completely. You know, Judith yep. Caroon's considering a, having an affair yeah. with uh, with Gordon, Gordon Briscoe, that's gone in the film yep. version, isn't it? And so much the better for it. Mm. You know what I mean? It's, uh, there was definite, in the original, definite melodramatic elements. And that's not no criticism of Nigel, because that's what was wanted, and that's what a TV show had. But yeah, a, a TV show and a film are two different beasts, and yeah, you read a lot of the interviews with him where he's constantly harping on about them cutting out all the good bits. Like, what were they meant to do? Yeah, because this is this is a this is pared down to just what's necessary, and that makes it it, it absolutely stonks along at a rate. And it's like, oh, this is brilliant. It's you know, you watch a lot of nineteen fifty five films, and they're a little bit slow. This one still holds up. Yeah, um, what I do know. miss. They, they that they cut out is you know the notion that this 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 entity this creature that's come back is a gestalt it's the yeah. actual it, it's all three astronauts together um and i love that scene in in episode two of the tv sh- version where you know quatermass says to karun who am i talking to and it's actually the german yeah, it's Rack- astronaut, you know. Yeah, 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 Karun doesn't speak German, but then yeah. he starts talking. They ask him a question, don't they, in German, about how something on, on the spaceship works, and he answers in fluent German, and he's yes. like, who yeah. am I talking to? What is your name? And yeah, yeah, that is a really chilling moment, but of course, that's all gone. The only thing there is in this film, there's a reference to that, is when... In the chemist, goes, yeah. In the chemist, and they say, oh, he tried killing himself. And he's, he's like, yeah. how does he know how to do that? He, yeah. He, he, he's an Karun engineer. Was, yeah, Karun wasn't a, a chemist. Oh, Karun wasn't a biologist. And he goes, no, but uh, Rackenheim was. Or Yeah, it, it, it it's enough to give you the idea, but the, the minute they went with Victor Grun isn't going to speak, that does that does make it very difficult then to to come bring across that uh, the other two astronauts have been absorbed mind yeah. as well as <coughs> body. Um, so they sort of play up the body horrorness in it, it's that the astronauts have been absorbed um, and there's all that's left is jelly. Yeah, I think it would have been difficult with a silent Victor Karun to show that he's also got the minds of the other two. Mm. Um, but you say yeah. it's a non-speaking role, and I think if it had been given to a lesser actor, it wouldn't be such a fondly remembered film, because Richard no. Wordsworth's performance... He is the heart of this film. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's, it's an astonishing... It's an Oscar... It's, it's as good as Karloff's monster portrayal, which is not... I'm not saying that lightly. I think this is this is one of the great performances of British cinema and it's just overlooked all the time because it's in a a film adaptation of this by the same people that made on the buses adaptation. It's that 
Yeah. But it's it's such a good performance. Watching it again a couple of times this week, it's astonishing what he does silently. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for for most of the film, the menace is a man with a raincoat over his arm. Yes. And by God, he's menacing. Yeah. It had had it gone to a lesser actor. Yeah, I don't. This film wouldn't work anywhere near as well. And I think this is this film is for me the perfect storm because because like all of the bit part actors are really good and they've gone on to better things. Every everyone's everyone's putting in a good performance with one astonishing exception. <laughs> I know who you. You mean. know who I mean, don't you? Um, Mrs. Caroon. Oh, she is awful. awful. <laughs> yep. Um, it was a it was a girlfriend of one of the studio heads it in America, was indeed. wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Who who couldn't act? She was she wasn't even a model, or was she? She was like his bit of stuff, and he thought uh, she's so good she should be in the movies. But I'm not going to do it in America because it might bankrupt us. So sent her to Britain. She is terrible, and I, I I'd love to see the original dub because they dubbed her because she was so bad, and they they sort of said, oh, the voice just wouldn't have fitted. But given that it's awful anyway, I'd love to see the original to see how worse it is. My favourite is in the car when when Vic she confronts Victor and screams and and she's covering her face and it's like oh god this is like this is what you're doing a school play yeah i have got somewhere in my notes the worst moment for me and it's not that one so i'll I'll, I'll let you know yeah there's so many to choose from with her she is she is an absolute they they could have just cut her out and it wouldn't have made any difference um interestingly though does this mean that do you think victor caroon was meant to be american as a character, because mm. he doesn't speak. So is he British or is he American? I don't know. And that's an unusual name, a surname, yeah, isn't it? It um, is. I don't think I've ever met a Karoon. It, it, it doesn't seem to exist as a surname. Um, oh, right. It's a type of cherry. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. Victor Cherry is not the Victor same. Victor Cherry, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good before old Vic we Cherry. He sounds, he sounds like a wrestling from yeah. Before we talk about the film, uh, as usual on 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 this show, uh, I've got some quotes from uh, All right, cool. regarding behind the scenes and stuff. Uh, one little snippet behind the scenes. Uh, James Carreras uh, just read it, thought it would be a low budget film, um, a, an exploitation film, and gave it a budget of only forty five thousand pounds, which That's was low at the time. Yeah, it was low at the time. Um, yeah, on the casting of old Brian Nigel Neal. Here, here we go. Yeah. Quote from Nigel saying, "I may have I may have picked Quatermass's surname out of a phone book, but his first name was Chick carefully chosen. Bernard after Bernard Lovell, the creator of Jodrell Bank, pioneer, ultimate questing man. Don Levy playing him as a mechanic, a creature with a completely closed mind." I don't think that. I don't. I don't go with that at all. I think Quatermass in this. I mean, more so in Quatermass too. But even in this, he's he is he is a, a an engineer first, but he's constantly trying to find the answers and thinking outside the box. I know on the the biology stuff, Briscoe sort of takes centre stage. Mm. Um, but I think yeah, and to call him a creature, I think that's yeah, that that's a bit a bit of his spleen showing there. Well, that's a bit of Nigel. Vitriol. Yeah, and then we got Val. 
Okay, a quote from Val saying that Nigel Neal was expecting to find Quatermass like he was on television, a sensitive yeah. British scientist, not some American stomping around. But to me, Don Levy gave it absolute reality. Yeah, I, I agree, 100%. He's yeah. so believable in this, even if he can't say uh, metabolic. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, um, after this next quote, it, um, yeah. it, this might explain why certain scenes you've got Briscoe doing things rather than Quatermass. Yeah. I'm thinking particularly of the uh, uh, going up that whacking great big ladder yeah. when they find the slime trail. I can trail. imagine Brian Dunlavey going, fuck off. I ain't yeah, well, that. My wig will blow what, off. What makes me think, <laughs> it's not so much that, this is uh, uh, the next bit I've got, is that it says, by this stage in his career, Don Levy was suffering from alcoholism. Mm, yeah. It was some weeks into the shoot before guests became aware that the flask of coffee he always carried on set was laced with brandy. Guests found, however, that Brian was all right, no problem at all, once you kept him sober. So I do wonder if, you, you know, they turn up on set, Brian, you're going up that ladder... He looks at it, staggers a bit because he's been at his uh, hip flask yeah. a bit, you know. Well, it, it's interesting, isn't it? That it, it's very much a, um, very much a, a, an industry staple where people go, "Oh, Brian Donnelly was drunk throughout." He wasn't. He was a functioning alcoholic, in the same way that Bela Lugosi was. It's and weird Ian that, Hendry. yeah, and Ian Hendry. It's weird that Brian Donnelly's career does sort of mimic a little bit. Legosis, and they both married the same woman. Mm. Isn't that that's strange? <laughs> um, but yeah, I he and I know that uh, partway through filming this, he he did his best to give up drinking while on set, um, and certainly for uh, Quatermass Two, um, he did. Although there, there's some some quite nasty stories about him from certain production crew members about him floundering about drunk trying to pick up his wig and that which is just to say oh dear um but no every, everyone else sort of says he was he was the consummate professional i just think this was out of his normal range mm. he wasn't he ne his career you look at it is very much heavies and you know cowboy bosses and ranch leaders to to suddenly have to do a lot of techno babble. Yeah, I I just I think it was out of his normal range. Um, but I think he bring he brings so much more to the part in energy. Um, I mean, the final scene is just I I love it. It's great. But um, it'd be interesting to see what would have happened if they'd have had Peter Cushion as quite, That's quite a mess. mess. He would, would be he more have, physical. Yeah. Much more physical, yeah. yeah. Briscoe's part would have probably been merged into it. Yeah. Um, but that would be an interesting one. Would he have played it like he played Doctor Who? Would there have been oh, a little oh, comedic? No, that wouldn't have been good. No, 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 no. Or no. Chris Lee as Quatermass? I can't see that. No. Really. Um, but it's interesting. It's, it is interesting what would happen had they had chosen a, you know, a British actor. Hmm. Um, John Pertwee at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, chunk, uh, another chunk of uh, behind the scenes, and we yep. will talk about it. Uh, principal photography began second of October, nineteen fifty-four, with a night shoot at Chesington Zoo. Oh, they did the zoo stuff first. Yep, and oh, it was well. Chesington, not London Zoo. That's a weird section, isn't it? To uh, to watch it, and it's like there, there's no security on this zoo. No, 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 like, and and those cages, mad. those yeah. poor things. Um, 
the the ambulance and the fire engine rush into the uh, crash site. Yeah. Uh, that's in the village of Bray. Yeah, you see the Bray Garage sign. Bray Garage sign. Yeah, Bray, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, where the rocket was <laughs> uh, was a cornfield at Water yeah. Oakley, which is near Bray, and it was meant to be on fire, but the weather was so foul. It put all the... Uh, oh, right. It, it was it, too wet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, sort of classic British filmmaking. It was too rainy. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love that story about how they bribed a guy to turn off the power at Battersea Power oh, Station. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he misunderstood and he turned it off for that whole section of London. Yeah, um, they, they, they wanted him out just to turn the lights off, wasn't it, outside. And yeah. he cut cut the entire circus. I wonder if that did happen or whether that's a bit of... Uh, it could be apocryphal, couldn't hyper, it? Yeah, a bit of hyperbole. That's now, um, you know, a, a shopping centre. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah. And there's no mention at all of that. You've got all the blurb about the history of Battersea Power Station, but there's no mention about the Quatermass experiment at all no. there. Um, You'd think they would push it, wouldn't you? All the films that yeah. have used it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the TV shows. Yeah. You know, you watch Sweeney or Professionals or anything. They were always driving around yeah. in the shell of that building, weren't they? Yeah. My um my favourite bit of behind the scenes trivia is uh, did you know do you know what Brian Donlevy's real name is? No. Brian is his middle name. His first name is Waldo. Waldo Donlevy. Can you imagine Quatermass played by Waldo? Waldo. Yeah. I no didn't one know Waldo was person. an actual name. I thought yeah, it was just I mean, a, a comedy made-up name. No, no, I actually it's, called Waldo. Yeah, Waldo, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no wonder he used his Waldo. middle name. He doesn't look like a Waldo. No, no. Does anyone? Uh. Other than like, the guy in the stripy <laughs> jumper that is in the books? Um, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, and then, of course, lastly, yeah, famously, it's James Carreras who decided to change the spelling of the yes. word experiment to exploit the, the new switch from the horror uh h for horror to x yes you know yeah because yeah during during the 30s 40s uh and early 50s it was h for horror wasn't it and um so all of the universe was at h for horror um and then they come up with the extra i think was quite much the 20th or something like that 19th or 20th only the that sort of number of films this was that and they knew they were going to get an x rating because the uh the british uh, board of censors basically said no matter what you do to the script you're getting an X because it's a horrific idea yeah. um, and quite rightly they went with well if you're going to give us an X we're going to exploit this yeah. so yeah for the for the original um, release uh, they dropped the E didn't they and it was quite a yeah. mass X experiment except um, in America of course because yes, they wouldn't understand it, yeah. that. So, uh, yeah, let's call it The Creeping Unknown, which is yeah. a terrible title. Terrible title. I mean, I, I understand that they had no uh, experience of the name Quatermass, but that's what the film's for, to tell you about Quatermass. Yeah, The Creeping I mean, all of the American titles for Quatermass, uh, Creeping Unknown, uh, Enemy from Space, yeah. and is it uh, 50 million years to earth or something miles to earth earth. it's just i mean that's terrible i take it you have seen the poster the american poster for the creepy unknown yeah where you got a guest appearance by yogi bear by the looks of it. yeah i don't know what that creature is that that creature is smiling um they uh, my understanding is that the american they cut a lot or they trimmed a lot of scenes didn't they they thought even even at 90 minutes it was too long (laughs) so they trimmed a lot of scenes um 
but the the weirdest fact, isn't it? It's in the Guinness Book of Records. Is a nine year old child died of, a heart of fright. Yeah. yeah. Um, while watching it, and it, which normally, you, like you, you watch the like the Universals, and you get the stories of people fainting when Bela Lugosi's face was on the screen, and you go, oh, "That's hype." I can sort of see a nine year old because this terrified me as a child. Yeah, but a nine-year-old film. shouldn't be watching it in the cinema well, it, back then. In the states, it's different, isn't it? It, it is. It, it, yeah, as long as you've got a parent yeah. with you, yeah. anyone can go. Exactly. Like yeah. So it's a strange rule in it to say this is only suitable for this age, but your mum, dad's they're fine. Yeah. That is a weird thing. Um, I, the the British one, I think, was worse because I I always thought the British you should have film classification all for that know what you're watching going in but the fact that ours was called the british board of censors mm. so wrong they shouldn't be censoring artistic stuff they should be telling you you know this is this has got x in it yeah. um be aware but they shouldn't be going well you're gonna have to cut i mean at, at one point hammer was working with the censors on preview scripts and that weren't they saying yeah you know, because it's cheaper to not film a scene. Exactly. So they sent get the through. scripts yeah. to the BBFC, and then they would come back and they yeah. saying, you might have trouble here, we won't allow this, blah, 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 blah. They had quite a good yeah. relationship. Honestly, them. I think we could do a whole program on the career of James Carreras and that. It, yeah, it's, yeah, interest, interesting I'm surprised, terms. Yeah. I'm really surprised there's never been a biopic on James yeah, Carreras. Yeah, I know, yeah. You know? It's weird, isn't it? Perhaps, perhaps they mm. don't think anyone would know. But um, yeah, uh, the American, yeah, the American one, like I say, cut down. They cut ten minutes out or something. God knows what they cut. Hopefully, <laughs> Mrs. Caroon <laughs> completely. <laughs> that would be. They nice, just added a line at the version. You know, when she gets out at, at the beginning, for some weird reason, she gets out of the the Volkswagen uh, minibus. And and then walked into the field. If I was if I was the Americans, I would have cut her out of every other scene. <laughs> Said, yeah, she wandered off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they wouldn't. The guy on the gate wouldn't let her in. That was the end of it. That would have been an improvement. Oh yeah. God, yeah. All right, okay. Waffle yeah. out the way. Let's get into it then. All right. <laughs> we are half an hour in, and finally we get to talk. We about get the to field. talk about the plot. You can't escape it, Maggie. Look. Nothing can destroy it. It's coming for you from space to wipe all living things from the face of the Earth. Beware of the creeping unknown. This woman is about to learn a terrible secret. She will never be the same again. Because this man knows that same secret, he will never speak again. To both of them has come terror in the form of the creeping unknown. Three men went into outer space. Only one of them came back. Came back a strange, distorted creature, haunted and possessed by something beyond human understanding. What was the terrible secret he could not tell them? There's a whole new world out there, a wilderness, uncharted. And he's been there and come back. He's got the map. Unlock his mind for me, Briscoe, and find it. I know you can do it. It isn't just a question I know the strain and tension you've been under, but to stop now when we're so close. Brian Donlevy, he dared an experiment that shocked a nation. 
You've destroyed him like you've destroyed everything else you've touched, Kent. There's no room for personal feelings in science, Judith. An experiment that created the Creeping Unknown. I want to call around the entire area, evacuate all public, get information to check up every movement that's likely to take place inside this radius tonight. Yes, sir. Warn everyone not to touch anything unusual they may find in the streets. Opening credits, it's an exclusive film because Hammer yep. didn't exist uh, by, at that point. Uh, we see the credits. We have Richard Wordsworth. It says, and Richard Wordsworth. Yes. Uh, this was his first film. Yeah, he was um, a big um, stage actor, wasn't he? He was, was. Yeah. And uh, James Bernard did the music. This was his oh, first film great, as well. Yeah. It's interesting. This is the first, I think, instance of his three-chord motif, wasn't it? Like he did with Dracula. That. And this is, uh, dun, dun, dun. and it it's interesting. That three, yeah, obviously three chords is the is the horror, yeah, yeah, yeah way yeah. of doing things. Yeah. So after the credits, we get this um, rumpy pumpy in the haystack, which yeah. is interrupted. Oh, the, these two are awful as well. I've got they're not as bad. They don't ruin the film like Mrs. Caroon does. But I love the fact that. Are they off their tits on something? Why are they giggling so much? And where have they come from? They're in the middle yeah. of nowhere. They've been on but, the scrumpy, I bet. <laughs> scrumpy, rumpy, pumpy. Um, it always, uh, I always think of when I see this uh, opening scene. Um, my first, um, you know, knowledge of Quite a Mass Experiment was in that House of Hammer magazine. Oh yeah, you know, the, the, uh, the, the comic magazine. strip. Yeah, the comic book adaptation drawn by Brian Lewis. And yeah, the the first panel is the rumpy pumpy and uh, yeah. the guys between the girls legs, you know, it's quite, it's yeah. quite strong. It's like, I'm what? sure that can't yeah. be in the, in the 1954 film version. And of course, no, it isn't. That's Brian being a bit liberal. Yeah. Uh, bit, with the script. Uh, space and Um, I don't understand. There's this sort of, uh, myth thing. And that, that everyone was having sex in haystacks. Yes. Why? <laughs> It, I can't think of a worse place to be fair. It's old thingamajig, isn't it? The the bombshell American uh, one, the the the, the dark haired one. There's that still of her laying on a hay bales. Yeah. Um, oh, what's her name? It'll come back to me. Yeah. Um, Jane Russell. That's Jane it. Russell. Yeah. Yeah. But what, yeah, yeah. Why, what's the appeal of 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 being it's, in Well, is you can hay. sneak off, and yeah. you know, you you, you can't to, go to your bedroom, yeah. so you sneak off to the nearest hay bale. Yeah, I mean, to the point where it's like. Sex Can you do that in like Wrexham? Making hay, wasn't it? No. Well, they they use those um those round baling system now, so you're going to fall off. It'd maybe be quite they, a dangerous activity. Maybe they've invented the rail round one because there was too much rumpy pumping yeah. going on. You know, yeah. Every every time they went to to thrash the wheat, it's like get out. Yeah. Well, or or there's yeah. all these used condoms go. Oh, lovely. Get threshed. But in um, this, yeah, these these two, they run off. They're in the haystack and then they run off. And they're just going. <laughs> it's like, what is going on? Is the Joker? And then we get this weird crash, which is the longest crash in history. That's a long time coming, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, because they look up and it's like, what's that? Run! And then they run for about three minutes. And they get to the the um, farmhouse, and then there's another couple of it's like, 
what were they looking at? How far? And how slow was yeah. this thing going? Yeah. But, you know, it, yeah. Uh, and, and we don't see it crash. We just no. hear it and everything. But that is better than the original. The BBC version, yes. they it's just there, yeah. you know, in somebody's house, you know. Yeah, they... they straight down. I imagine um, Brian Dunleavy... Uh, Brian Dunleavy. I imagine Nigel Neal... Oh, you wouldn't like that, would we? Be mistaking him for Brian Dunleavy. <laughs> Nigel Neal, I imagine, probably wrote something. But, yeah, I imagine the BBC looked at it and went, no, we can't do that. What the hell? It's just there. It's already crashed. Get used to it. Um, but yeah, in this version, we at least get. We hear a crash. We hear and then it. We, and then we see that model shot of the uh, the rocket, like a dart in a in a in a in a pump. Spaceships or don't crash like that. They don't go no. like like you say a dart into a dartboard. It would have no. just you know exploded on impact. But no, that would have splattered everyone. Yeah, they'd all be no, they would be jelly. Um, yeah, what it needed was a long trench with it laying horizontal at the end of it. That would have been good, but no, I it just comes down like a dart falling from the sky. Um, I remember I made a model of that for one of the drone armors. All right, yeah, I I got, that. yeah, I got a picture somewhere. Okay, um, you have to dig it out. Yeah, I'll see if I can find it, and uh, I'll put it on the Facebook page. But yeah, it's quite quite a nice model. It's not really convincing, and it's that wonderful uh, V two yeah rocket design, isn't it? Yeah, that's the model shot when when you know Quatermass and Lionel Jeffries and Mrs. Caroon and all yep. that they arrive as you say in their camper van. Um, we've got the full size one, but it's not what it is. Is it's the lower section is full size, yeah, and then it's a matte shot above that, yeah. A glass mat shot um, um, above it, and uh, yeah, apparently the, the the actual one, the full size lower section, uh, it was so heavy they actually built it against a tree. So oh, just right. behind oh, it, so there's, a tree there's a tree holding just... it up. You know? I mean, it's a nice, it's a nice little set. You know, when they're playing the water on it and things like that, it's a really nice set for the the, the size of the budget. Um, I've got a question about their uh, Volkswagen van. Where's the engine? Because they open where the engine is normally, and there's a big radio set. Yes. Where's Sorry. the uh, did so, did someone forget and go forget that the engines are in the back on Volkswagens? I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So just like the original, they can't get into it straight away. They got to wait for it to cool down, and that's yeah. when they use bit of the... dodgy dodgy physics here, and it when they're saying about we got to cool it down, and then they they want to apply water on it. Yeah. And it's like, mm, don't think that would work. That might just the sudden temperature variance would cause that thing to go. It would explode, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, but no, they do. That you, you've got the Windsor Fire Brigade there pouring water on it, um, yeah, and it looks great. All of this nighttime yeah, no, film is great. Really I mean, good. this is cinematographer uh, Walter Harvey who. Uh, and, yeah, who's and this is, and this is, this would not work if it was day for night, like most other fifties sci-fi films would have done. This this works because it's night and the darks are dark. It's it, the cinematography is wonderful in this film. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I also I love this beginning sequence. We're introduced to Quatermass, Quatermass, as Brian Don Levy says, um, and I think he's great. He's so driven. You can believe that this guy has almost single handedly driven this project forwards. Because he he doesn't take crap from anyone, does he? He's not. He's, he's very aggressive. Yeah. In very this aggressive, film, isn't he? He's, he's very rude to Lionel Jeffries. Yes, I'd forgotten Lionel Jeffries was in it. Yeah, we were talking about yeah. him only the other yeah. week, weren't we? Um, and and here he is, bless him. 
Um, when when the figure comes out the spaceship in his yes. pressure suit, I as clunky as it is, I prefer the one from the TV version. That like almost deep sea diving helmet yeah. that Karoon uh, Scott. Well, wasn't it? Uh, wasn't it a fire suit in the? Didn't they use a? Oh, was it? Yeah, an old fire suit or something. Yeah, it's got that weird tempered glass fronted slabby helmet. Um, yeah, the 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 spacesuits in this are not really convinced. They're they're literally just overalls with a, a neck piece and a crash helmet. Yeah, yeah, it's not really convincing that it's a spacesuit. Um, but then I suppose it's not meant to be. It's meant to be a pressure suit, isn't yes, it? Yes, yeah. Um, they go inside just like the original. They go inside. Yes. It's empty ap- apart from the other uh, two suits. There, they check below. Yep. That's all empty. Um, I love the. Uh, they're at an angle, and he says, Let the compensators haven't worked, and he turns that little wheel, and it, it rotates the screen. <laughs> but, they, again, the insides of this wouldn't fit into that shape. No. It's, it's very strange. I, and they, they lift that hatch, and they go, um, he's not in the rocket section. So, hang on. So, where was that rocket section, the motor section, when it was at an angle? Yeah. How How's that? I'm not sure that how that works. You're thinking lots, too much. Yeah, thinking too much. Lots and lots of um, 1950s era tech on display, isn't it? It's all rotary yeah. dials and looks great. It's very steampunk. It's all very rushed compared to the original, though. The yes. original took yeah. its time. This whole exploration and examination of the control room and everything yeah. that's been pared right down. What's also missing from the original uh, is when Lomax, you know says about you know you have that subplot where you know you've got an undersuit a nylon undersuit and when they examine the police examined uh one of the suits they take away they find out that that suit is still inside the outer suit yeah you know to drive home much more that the uh the the other two were liquidized yeah with this we just get the suits laid there and you have to sort of fill in the blanks yourself don't you with yeah. oh no one would take off a suit like that. Yeah. Um, it does match up nicely to when we when we get to see the the security footage of the rocket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of Lomax's subplots are missing. Yeah. I like. I, I much prefer this version of Lomax. He's much more yes. cheerful than the original well, Jack, one, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Jack Warner is great. He's such a good actor. This is. I think this is a year before he became Dixon, wasn't it? Yes. And I. I wonder if this had some uh, sort of uh, guiding force. Did they see this and go, he'd, he'd be a good copper in a TV show? I love Lomax in this. He's great. He's introduced doing this. This sort of. Um, this uh, running gag of he's trying to have a shave. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. That was then were the days when it, when you just plugged, undid a bulb and plugged something into the socket. Yeah. Wow, dangerous times. But yeah, he's he's a no-nonsense copper, but with a sense of humour. Um, he brings a lot, again, brings a lot of heart to this film, I think. He's, sort of, he's the everyman, isn't he? Yeah. Because we're not, we're not scientists. We're not, you know, the average viewer is not scientists. They're not a doctor. But they can identify with this, this copper. Um, uh, yeah, I like his performance. I think he, he's really good. Again, Lomax in the TV show. We don't see a lot of him because, like you say, four episodes aren't there. But again, very black. The, the TV show is a lot of very similar-looking English guys mm. of similar age. Um, but yeah, Jack Warner, great. He was they they loaned him or something, didn't they, from another? 
studio. They did. That's yeah. a weird thing to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back when you were a contracted yeah. actor. Yeah. Um, you couldn't just work where you wanted. No, no. I I preferred the film version in that um, in the original, uh, Victor's spent an awful lot of his time just horizontal in his bed when they come and yeah. you know check his fingerprints and 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 check him and everything. But I love this shot of him where he's sat up in the chair, and yes. they they've put makeup on him already to show that he's changing. Um, yeah, well they they yeah they, we we go to Briscoe's lab. And he's got this almost Frankenstein-style chair uh, that Richard Wordsworth spends a lot of his time in, just sat there staring forwards. Um, again, uh, we probably should mention Phil Leakey's makeup mm. is amazing, I think. Um, very subtle, but it really conveys that something weird is going on with this guy. I love, again, I, it's, it's in the original script, but I love when Briscoe says um, his actual bone structure's changing. Yeah, yeah. Which is just a freaky thing to think yeah. about. And in the um, film, of course, yeah. we see the skin changing. We see the mottling, which that's a line in the original. But here we yeah. actually, they show his shoulder show and it, he's yes. got that marbling going on. It's great. And I love, uh, this is where we, uh, Quatermass says uh, about his metabolic rate. <laughs> it's like, no, do, do, take, do another take, shall we, uh, Brian? Yeah. Do another take, Waldo. Um, and I love when uh, Mrs. Caroon comes in. And um, Quatermass, like, considerately starts buttoning up Victor's shirt. And it's a lovely little touch. Yeah. Somewhere around here is where I've put Mrs. Caroon is terrible. Oh, God. So some bit of acting when she comes in at this point has prompted me to actually write that down. So it's here. It's here uh, is the worst bit. Yeah, um, she's just awful. Um, I, I, I no point. Is she a believable character? I, it's a shame, really. I wish, because well, well, any of the Hammer uh, actresses would have been better. Mm. Nepotism, isn't it? Yeah. I don't yeah, think yeah. she derails the film to the point where it's it breaks it or anything. But compared, because everyone else is on top performance. Well, this is it because and, there's and but, she's not. Yeah. The next bit, it's just her and her husband, you know, in the shot. But it yeah. is fantastic when she's like, you know, sorting out the flowers and Victor, who's been staring straight yeah. ahead, turns and looks at the flowers. Yeah. But as soon as Gordon comes back in the room, he goes back to staring again. Yeah. You know? he, it's, it's amazing. No one values Mrs. Caroon. Quatermass obviously hates her, thinks she's a imposition. Briscoe is sort of sympathetic, but sees her in the way. Even the monster... Because when, when Briscoe and uh, Quatermass leave, <coughs> suddenly Victor Caroon, like you say, he's no longer just a, a zombie. He's interested. He's looking at her. Yeah, he doesn't care that she's there. No. He sees no threat in her whatsoever. You say about Quatermass doesn't like her and everything. Of course, a, a big change from the original was that Judith Caroon was part of the uh, yes. Quatermass's team Yeah, in the original. I don't know and, what and she's meant to be in better. this, other than just to hang around. She's a wag, isn't she? Yeah, um, she she's fulfilling the uh, the the role of the wife in the original. The one of the other two who comes yes. along and is all sobbing and that, isn't it? Yeah, she's sort of been amalgamated. I think you could you could have easily cut her part out completely. Yeah, um, I suppose they probably just didn't want a sausage fest, did they? <laughs> they didn't want the only other female in the film to be uh, um, Thora Heard. She's coming up. 
But before Jeez. all that, um, they they've processed the film. Uh, they've got this uh, the the film that they discovered still in the camera, and they actually see. Yeah. Well, you kind of see what happens. Something happens to them, don't doesn't it? Yeah. So so they thought the they thought the film was ruined. The cameras were ruined, but then it it they find that they can process it. But I love the uh, all the little parts are great, and I love the. Um, the laboratory technician who's more worried is like well it'll be dull and grainy it's like we, yeah. we don't want to we send this out. it's all not the different film quality. stocks yeah <laughs> um it's great and this whole sequence where they're watching it in total silence yeah oh my god it's such a good sequence it's terrifying and we see that at some point in the flight something comes aboard the ship we don't see what it is we see the astronauts reacting to it we have and a, like, it's great. a heat shimmer effect, yeah. don't we? A shimmer effect, yeah, like a, a heat effect. And the uh, Reichenbach and Green collapse. And then you see Victor Kroon backing away, doing this weird arm shake. It's terrifying. I mean, it's yeah. such a good performance. Really, really good. Um, I've got this on uh, uh, Super 8, um, the, the cut-down version. And they include this section, which is really sort of meta, it you're is. watching a Super 8 <laughs> version of a film with a sequence with Super 8 film on it. It's like, ooh, that's great. But, um, yeah, really, really, really good sequence. Um, and I love at the end where Quakemaster just goes, play it again. Yeah. Ah, so it's good. Yeah. It's interesting we get the um, the in this sequence. This is This is quite a few years before 2001. And we get the walking up the walls, yeah, which is almost almost shot for shot copied in two thousand and one. Yeah, he must have seen this, mustn't he? Yeah, yeah, Kubrick. Yeah, that took some setting up, and it's only such oh, a God, small yeah. little unnecessary throwaway yeah. little thing. It's not it's and, not important to the plot yeah. at all. And this this is why I think people that say they go to dismiss this film as a a crass film version of a TV superior. This has got so many little bits in it like this where someone's someone's thought about this and it's and put in effort that they didn't need to do on the minuscule budget, but it just adds to it. Mm. Mm. Uh so Judith, she's got this bloke called oh, Christy yeah. to sneak Christy. into the I love Christy. Yeah. Again, I don't know where he's come from. No, he's a private detective, but he's so it's like I want to see a film about the adventures of Christy. I think he would be, it, yeah. He, he's a bit of he's a bit of a uh, bit of a Lothario ladies man. Oh, I he's after those nurses, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I and again, great little performances. Mrs. Caroon comes in and she talks to the uh, the reception guy and says, uh, "Can you tell me anything?" He's like, "Oh no, I can't." Hold on, hold on, hold on. And then he covers up his mouth when he's talking to. <laughs> and it's like she knows what you're doing. It's and she not, can it's, hear what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. But it's such a good performance. Um, but yeah, she's hired because uh, she's a bit of a, a silly cow and she hates Quatermass. Um, she's hired a uh, private detective to steal away Victor Caroon. I can't help but think they should have had a bit more security at this hospital. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's an astronaut that potentially could be carrying some sort of space plague. And they don't even really explain to the nurses looking after him what what it is. Um, but yeah, Chris, Christy uh, infiltrates hospital, is very, very sexist to a lot of nurses. Yeah. Um, 
and then goes in and pretends to be the the relieving uh nurse and then the the nurse that's in there comes out and immediately starts hitting on the nurses as well yeah what the hell with with hospitals at this point just like sex dungeons what's sex dungeons oh dear uh, me i'll tell you what this is a horror film right yeah and um i i, I don't I don't get scared by horror films. I don't get repulsed by horror films. You know, I've said before, you know, I'm interested in the special effects. So yeah. I'm kind of taken out of it. But Victor punching that cactus. Oh, my God. Every yeah. time, you know, I have to cross my legs. It's like, ouch, you know. Oh, it's... God, I can feel that. But it's also the fact that he screams in silence. Yeah. Whoever made this decision, I don't know who it was, but whoever, I don't know if you know, whoever made the decision to have Victor be silent by god you deserved your money this is yeah the, it's just amazing yeah he hit he sees the cactus and he hits it um because of course he's the the presumably the alien intelligence which we find out almost nothing about in this entire film presumably it's realized it's in a bit of a dead end because it wants to reproduce mm -hmm. so it immediately seeks out plant life uh, and it's really good, the fact that Victor's, like you say, he saw the bunch of flowers, and then he sees this, and he punches it. Um, why isn't Vi why isn't Mrs. Caroon allowed to see her husband? Because in the scene previously, quite a mass, even though he obviously thinks she's a stupid cow, um, he says, uh, you're important, you he needs you. Yeah. But then when he goes to hospital, it's like, no, no, she can't see him. It's almost a bit of a plot point. I can't, I can't remember because uh, in the the BBC version, it's we haven't got these bits. I can't remember what the the reasoning is as to why she can't see him. I need to reread the script book. Mm. I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they, she get gets him away, or Christy gets him away. But then in the the lift, he notices that he's uh, hiding his hands. Yeah. What you got in there? Yeah. What you got in there? Let Christy see. And then um, Victor hits him, and we get that, that sort of weird, weird shot. But Mrs. Croon comes in. Oh, no, Victor goes out, and Mrs. Croon puts him in a car. But she doesn't think, where's Christy? No. Where's the guy I hired to do this? Well, he's uh, on the floor of the lift, yeah. isn't he? He is, yeah. It's a bit gruesome, that, isn't it? It um, is. For, for, this, for this era, that dummy, I know they use it twice. They use it for the chemist as well. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's quite gruesome. And you don't have the jarring music that you normally no. or will get when you see a, you know, a, a, yeah. a, a mutilated body, you know. The music in this is, is brilliant, and it's used to the best way. It's atmospheric. It's not, yeah, you, you'd normally get a ba bang Yeah. You know. <coughs> yeah. And it, does, I, it doesn't need it, and it's so much more, be so much better for it. I'll tell you what's atmospheric, and again, it's old Victor, Richard again in the car yeah. just staring at his wife yes you know yeah it, it's it's such a shame really isn't it because victor's richard wordsworth is is doing his best acting it's amazing performance uh and yeah he's just staring at his wife and then she she realizes he's, he's something up with his arm as well and pulls up um and she sees his arm. It, it, it's not very clear because we don't see it but she somehow sees something and then, like I say, this this non-actress is meant to show that she's traumatised, and it's pitiful. It's it's sad, really. I feel sorry for her. I mean, she's probably dead now, but 
I feel sorry that she was put in this position. It'd be like if they said to us, "Do you want to go and work with a Shakespeare company?" Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be anywhere near their standard at all. Her screaming, her yeah. ability of screaming convincingly, is is just as bad as Anne Robinson's in War of the Worlds when she sees yes. her uncles going out to. Yeah, uh, and she cuts, throws her arm over I her go, eyes. Oh, no, yeah. it's awful. And yeah, this is up there with that. It really is. Yeah, in in real life, people don't scream like that. No, you scream as a. Ah! You've been scared, but people don't see something, have to cover their eyes and then scream. It always reminds me of um, in King Kong, the original, where Carl Denham's uh, doing the te- screen test and he says, uh, look up, Anne, look, look up, up Anne. Now you scream. Yeah, now scream, Anne, scream for your... And it, it always reminds me of that, that's like, cover your eyes and then scream. That's not really how people do it. No. Have you ever heard anyone scream in real life? Other I than did when that, what, like I that. did when that spider was That's crawling true, up yeah. towards my belly button. I gave. Do you think that that screen. was the that was the screen direction that Val Guest gave to that actress in the car? Yeah. There's a spider what, near yeah, my belly button. What, yeah. What What's my motivation, Mister Guest? Well, imagine the uh, imagine there's a spider in your belly button. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> Um, All right, so so the search starts yeah. then. They've got to find him because they've worked it out, yeah. haven't they, Quite uh, Mass yes. and, and Briscoe, that uh, he's going to start the multiply. Yeah, well, they, they, we get this lovely scene in the hospital when they're investigating and and they mention uh, that Mrs. Caroon has been found sat screaming in a car and she keeps mentioning uh, his hand is all spiky and Lomax realizes there was a cactus in the room and then briscoe goes well if he's merged with this then he could multiply and yeah we get this this great sequence which i believe is is taken from another film all this police searching sequences from another film but it fits in perfectly of them searching um they mentioned tooley street why do i know tooley street tooley street tooley street wasn't was there a um there's was a, that a, there's a jack the ripper connection to tooley oh, street i think there? I think no, so, something in the eighties. There was there was either a shop or there was some exhibition on Tooley Street. I just remember Tooley Street. Street. Yeah, was yeah. the uh, you know when they did the Star Wars um, uh, virtual ride thing, the flight simulator thing in London. I think that was on Tooley Street. No, I don't know. But I, 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 for some reason in my notes, it's like I put Tooley Street. Hey, <laughs> I don't know why. Can't remember what it was for. Because we know this is London, don't we? We do. This is London, yep. But we don't know precisely where in London. I mean, you know, when he's just about to meet the little girl, that's at the East India docks. Yes. You know. So yeah, someone because we know we know it's in it's within um, uh, I was going to say walking distance, but squelching distance of Westminster Abbey. Yeah, true. You know, um, so it's around it, and it's very, it's so. Um, you can still see damage from World War Two, can't you? It's amazing. Yeah, I, I love all yeah. films of this time because you know it's yeah. incredible. It's only eight years since the end of the war. Yeah, it's just it's so hard to think back to 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 this sort of what this must have been like. Um, but yeah, we get a lot of of, of stuff of searching, like say uh, Victor hides out on a, a narrow boat, um, and then along comes little Jane Asher. Ah, but before that, we've yeah. got the chemists. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Sorry, I've totally forgotten about the chemist thing. Yeah. And Which is a great sequence. It's yeah. a great sequence. And what makes it even better is the fact that when we get the reveal of his arm, again, yeah. no blaring music. It's all no. in silence, isn't it? 
I, I really, of all the people that die in this film, I feel so sorry for the chemist. Yeah. Because he's so helpful. Because, yeah, he's he's putting the, the rubbish out and Victor comes in and bursts his way in and he's like, what the hell are you doing? And he touches Victor and Victor grimaces in pain. And the, the, the chemist immediately changes his attitude. It's like, oh, you're in pain. What What's wrong? How can I help you? Let me look at it. And it's a lovely, again, absolutely pitch perfect performance by one of these coffin or spit parts. It's perfect. Um, and yeah, and Victor kills him. And then we get that lovely, again, really good sequence where Lomax, Briscoe and Quatermass come to investigate it. And um, uh, Briscoe is working out. He goes, he's like, what was he trying to do? And he goes, I, I'm hoping he was trying to kill himself, but I think he was trying to uh, speed up the metabolism. Um, and it, it's just, it's so good. And then uh, they notice uh, a, something sticking out of the, the, the back door. That's, uh, and, that, that's a nice yeah. tense scene, isn't it? It's re- it's so tense. And, and um, Jack Warner, Lomax, he goes and gets the copper in from outside, which again, they didn't need to do. You could, you didn't need that guy in that part. No, but it just, it adds so much to it. It's like, yeah, come in, come in, just quiet. Um, and I love the fact that Lomax goes to open the door and Quatermass just pushes him aside. Like, no, I'm going to do this. Um, and then we see the dummy again. We see it in a bit more detail and it is quite gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for the time uh, again, I presume Phil Leakey. Uh, wait for behind the scenes. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, excellent. Right. Um, but then, yeah, you're right. Jane Asher, you know, um, um, she did marry Paul McCartney, didn't she, in the 60s? I think so, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so this is like 12 years after this little girl playing with her yeah. dolly down at the docks. She's married a, be- a beetle. Yeah. yeah, I love uh, I love that this, this little girl, she's got a dolly in a pram, and she obviously, you know, she loves her dolly. Um, uh, and then... She takes it down the stairs. If that was a real baby, she's just killed it. <laughs> she would have given it such whiplash and cracked its spine. It's just great. Um, and again, to- totally unnecessary little cameo. And I'm presuming they were going with the Frankenstein's monster I, and the girl and I little Maria. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's great because I'm sort of with I'm I'm with uh, Karuni. I would have probably tried to hit her. <laughs> she's so <laughs> annoying. I like the way she says when she hears Victor yeah. right, on the boat, you know, don't worry, it's just the rats. Yeah, like, that's all right. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were just a big rat. What? Well, you probably shouldn't be there, dear. Yeah. Again, playing on the bomb sites, isn't it? That's what yes. Kids yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the way yeah. that he flees rather yeah. than kill her. Um, yeah. Again, it would have been tonally wrong, I think, for him to kill her. But yeah, he just knocks her. Uh, whatever the doll's name is out of her hand. And I think the head comes off. Which yeah. is, it's like, Oh dear. Um, and then he just lopes off across the bridge. It's yeah. such a good performance. Um, but, the, and then uh, this report comes in to Lomax uh, and they sort of, they stand out. Cause again, just off the cuff, they say, no, she, the mother wasn't worried about, or didn't think it was uh uh, Karun, she was worried about uh, child fiddler. molestation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh dear. Yeah. Um, it gives you an insight into the nineteen fifties, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I tell you what, one of the creepiest moments, and, and why I like this film, is, is what happens next, which is when Victor's found his way to London Zoo. Oh, God. and all yeah. the animals sense him. They all start getting unsettled, yeah. um, 
and it's all in silent, but there's yep. this slow pan towards the bushes. Yep. And eventually we just see his eye staring yeah. out. And there's we? some, yeah, we don't get a good look at the what he's transformed into, but it's obviously he's no longer Victor. No. Yeah, it, it, it's so well. We see little bits of slobby stuff being dragged along and remind me again very much of, uh, you know, in The Mummy, the Karloff yeah. Mummy, when all you see of him is his bandages dragging just along. Just dragging along the floor. Yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's uncomfortable watching it now for different reasons, though, isn't it? The fact that these animals are in such tiny little cages. Horrible. They're pacing up and down. The, the keeper, when he's closing up the monkey house, I mean, A, and the monkeys appear to be kept behind chicken wire. Yeah. Secured with just, you know, a, a piece of stick. But that monkey, the way it's ratting about and pacing, that's not a psychologically sound monkey. No, that is a stressed animal. Yeah, that's I not mean, a, that's not a phrase I thought I'd ever utter. That's not a psychologically <laughs> sound monkey. What? I mean, we used to visit Chesington Zoo when I was little. I, I've yeah. no memory of of the animals <coughs> at was all. It like that though. I don't remember it. I, I, I yeah. just remember playing on the on the rides and stuff, yeah. you know? Because, um, again, like, when the next scene is, obviously, they've closed it off and quite a mass and that turn up, and they're turning away people at the turnstiles, like, sorry, the zoo's closed now, and they wander up, and it looks like there's monkeys in a, a three-foot-by-three-foot three cage actually outside the zoo just to entice people in. Maybe they, so, that's what wow. they did. Um, how did they? Yeah. Do, I, I, I don't want to know. I don't think I want to know the answer to this. But uh, how did they uh, do the dead leopard, deer, and lion? I I was watching this with this very thought. So mm. the the dead deer looks suspiciously like a taxidermy one because its little legs are straight, and it's like that's meant to be standing up. But the tiger did they was did they use a real dead? I can't see or them. Did they uh, drug them? Well, they might have drugged it, but. Imagine if that had woken up and eaten Brian Dunleavy. You know, mm, this this is uh, this is this has been soaked in whiskey. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's so tender. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't want to know if they killed animals. I hope they wouldn't. Eve, I mean, surely you wouldn't kill a lion or a tiger. Well, well, they've later on they do kill one. Um, so I don't know. I, I, mm. I've never seen how they've done this, and really, I don't want to know. Um, no, um, I know. I've read that in in the in the, the the final scene, they actually do set light to the octopus. They did, yeah. Oh God, yeah. Um, which brings another sort of level of horror to it. Um, but this zoo sequence is great, although what we visually see doesn't matter because Briscoe and Quatermass get he goes uh, to- total um, absorption this time. Not really, mate. It's no. sat there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it doesn't even look drained to me. No, no. Uh, but they find something else, don't they? A bit of Victor. Yes. Um, Briscoe actually calls it living quicksand. Yeah. Well, we don't see it in the bushes, do we? We don't see it in the bushes. We see Which it in, in, in yeah. the tank later. But then we get Rosie, Thora Hurd's character. Oh, she's brilliant. Yeah. She was she saw something young? enormous. She no, she never was never young. young. No, no. Yeah. She I must have been in her yeah. 50s there. Yeah, it's just astonishing. But um, and with Sam Kidd, yeah, is this the first Hammer appearance of Sam Kidd? It's the first time we've seen him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we should have Sam Kidd tally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who was it? It was Sam Kidd and uh, what was the other guy's name? Always played um, 
landlords and bartenders. I met him in London. I can't remember the guy's name. Well, when well, he pops up, yeah. we'll start a tally for yes. him as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a great little sequence, this, because yeah, she she thinks it's just um, what she called gin goblins. It's not a gin yeah. goblin. Yeah. That's you know? brilliant. I love the I, what a gin goblin. Um, but I love the fact that the the death sergeant, Sam Kidd, is so sympathetic to her, isn't he? And it's like no, he sees her know. every week, doesn't he? Yeah, he sees her every week. Seems to be a, a you know a genuine sad case. This lady. Um, but then she starts describing it, and he twigs. Oh my god! And I love the fact that, that she sort of doesn't feel well because you mean it's real? Yeah, I need a drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they find out that the uh, when they go back to the uh, back to the lab, they find out that the the that quicksandy thing has broken yes. out to try and get at the mice, but it's died before it gets to them. Yeah, in my notes I've put the mice survive. Yippee! Yes, normally well, they something. die in this sort of thing, yeah. but yeah, it tries to get out and dies because they make they say that. Even though this is an alien creature, it's got to eat, hasn't it? Yes. It's got to have taken energy. Um, and it dies and they come back and uh, um, it's a little bit rubbery, isn't it? The, yes. The splatty puddle version. Yeah. But yeah, again, really, really good. At this point, it's almost like Briscoe is driving the story, isn't it? Rather than yeah. quite a mass. And I do wonder if, yeah, that they were having a bit yeah. of problems with old Waldo. Brian, yeah. Waldo. Yeah. Um, always forget that we've got a very young Gordon Jackson. Yes, yeah. Um, directing um, from his little mobile unit. Yeah, because they, they, like you say, we had the sequence where they, Briscoe has to climb up the rickety ladder. I wouldn't have climbed that as an actor. No. Would you? No, no, Ooh, no, no. Looks horrible. No. Um, weirdly, he gets to the top. Those tracks go nowhere. No. Do they? They just stop against the brick wall. It's like, what, what's going on there? Right. But yeah, um, they work out it's in the area. And they are they sort of get a report of everything that's happening in the area. And one of the things that's happening is a live uh, broadcast from Westminster Abbey about mm-hmm. the new renovations. There were the days when a top of the range program on BBC was about a Westminster live renovation. Abbey. Yeah. yeah. Why did it have to be live? Yeah. Um, I'm presuming camera one doesn't work because you know Victor's I got think, at yeah. it or something. Victor's or absorbed got the cameraman. It, yeah. And and camera two, it's quite a shock. They cut it's the camera great, two. Yeah. It's just a dead body with people leaning yeah. over it. Yeah, and I love it. It's like uh, uh, go, yeah, go to the studio. And I love the fact that their entire thing is we want to keep the broadcast going. Yeah, just go to another part yeah. of the abbey. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind people dying over there, but the show must go on. Um, where'd they film this? Do you know? I'm presuming it wasn't in Westminster Abbey. No, it looks great. It, it's um, it's in my notes. Yeah. It will we'll come be, out in behind the scenes. We'll right. come up in the behind the scenes on on, on that bit, yeah. Because uh, again, the the sets in this film for a low budget, supposedly quickie film to cash in, the sets are great. Yeah, yeah, they really look good. I mean, but Hammer was always good at sets, weren't they? they yes, yeah. Said in Dracula yeah. and that. Yep. So yeah, on one of the cameras, they see Victor's yes. final form, this big yeah. blob, yeah, up on the scaffolding, and it's really good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a bit saddened now. I didn't know it part. The close-up shots are of an octopus. Yeah, this when you see yeah. it on the scaffolding, when you see yep. it, it, no, that's that's a that's a, a yeah a, a model tripe, it's, isn't it? Yeah, tripe or something. Tripe yeah. on wire. Yeah. Do you remember when tripe was a thing? <laughs> Did anyone ever enjoy tripe? 
Disgusting. I, I don't think I ever had tried. Did you never had it? We, we had, had it lard, school. but not tried. Lard, yeah. Lard on bread. Ugh, lard on yeah, toast. Yeah, we yeah. had that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, and they've got to kill it before it starts sporing. It's going to spore, yes. and they've I got do minutes. like that. Yeah, they. Uh, the Briscoe goes, "Look at those patches, Critmas. They're they're the spores." Like, what? Where? Yes. You don't don't quite see them. We didn't see um, that. Yeah, I'm not sure how Briscoe knows this, but yeah, they they um they realise it's it's within minutes of of sporing, and in the TV version, this is where Critmas goes and talks it into committing suicide i don't know how it just dies in that respect if someone said to you talked you into uh just die could you just die <laughs> what are you doing just stop breathing yes, but, but yeah so this is an alien he can do what he wants that's true yeah <laughs> he's a big old octopus um in the original tv version wasn't it nigel neal sticking his hands through the the it photo was. of thing because yeah because yeah. he kept them didn't he? I think it was the only thing he kept of it. Um, no, this no, no, version, no. Yeah. The, the ones he's kept, it's on, it's on the DVD yeah. box set. There's an interview yeah. with him and and his wife, and they've still got it. His wife made them, oh, right. um, and they are yeah, that, and there's a really good paint job of them as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, they're over gardening gloves. Yeah, the, you can see the latex and the paints worn off at the wrist, and you can see the uh, the elasticated wrist. I would like gloves. to. Uh, I would like to have them to actually uh, carried on recording the original ones because even in the poor version, we would have at least had an idea of what these. They they weren't so much were. the cactus version you get here. It, they they more, almost look like um, shrimp Crinoids, or prawn yeah. heads. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah that, they're really good. She she was very yeah, good. Uh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Quite a mass orders uh, cables. Uh, attached yep. to the scaffold and uh, contact Battersea Power Station. All the power in London has got to go through these two cables up onto the yeah. scaffold. Yeah, they don't look that thick, but, you know, it's good. Not I love this whole that. sequence where, where the poor engineers are, are underneath it trying to attach the cables and just looking up nervously. Crawling it's, along. It's, yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> God. And then we get, yeah, they use the TV broadcast to watch it and show what's doing that. It's really good. Gordon Jackson, yeah, forgot he was in it. He's great. Must have been a very early role for him. Yeah. Um, Before they switch on, that's the first time we see this close-up of the real octopus head with extra spikes. Yes, because this was this this was an aftershoot, wasn't it? It Close-ups with the octopus, because I can't remember Val Guest or someone saw the the cut together version and said it. You can't see what it is. It needs eyes. Yeah. Um. So they they glue eyes onto an poor little octopus. A lot of the films I enjoy have terrible fates for octopuses in. Well, this is a terrible fate because yeah. they switch on. You know, we have the model jiggling yep. and we have screaming over the top. And, yeah, you can clearly see that poor bloody octopus, octopus is not is only fire, out of the water. Yeah. They've set light to it as well. Yeah. It's only, what, a second, second and a half, two yeah. second shot. But it's very clear poor what thing. they've done. You Do know? You know, I hope it was a stunt octopus. Stunt octopus. And it was, it was all right afterwards. I got a feeling it wasn't. I, mm. yeah. Or, you know, if he did survive, I hope they paid him well and he would have been yes. squids in. Oh! oh! Well done. That well wasn't done. bad, was it? You've won that one. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to have to up my game. Um, yeah, the... the um, oh, God. Uh, what was we saying? Yeah, they switched the power on. 
it's like a horrible scream. It's a, a, a human scream or something, isn't it? I can't, yeah. don't know where they yeah. got it from. Um, at least they didn't put the Wilhelm scream on it. That would have no, been that would have been too much. unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, it dies. And then we get this, I think, utterly brilliant shot of Quatermass walking out purposefully and he passes everyone. He passes Lionel Jeffries coming in. He ignores a lot of them. And then he sees Marsh and Marsh says, uh, anything I can do to help? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to need your help. And what do you want to do? We're going to start again. And he walks towards the horizon and then it cuts to the shot of Quatermass 2 taking off. Yeah. Utterly brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant sequence. Um, uh, a perfect end to, I think, almost perfect film other than Mrs. Kareem. <laughs> Why she got to be in it to ruin it? All right. Okay. So that's uh, that's the film done. So as I say, we, we return to the behind the scenes and stuff, but this time uh, it's the behind the scenes on our subject of the day, which is yes. Victor Caroon. So Victor Caroon was played by Richard Wordsworth who was born in 1915 and uh, was the great-great-grandson of William Wordsworth. Oh, right. I did not mm-hmm. know that. Mm. And he lived Which is ways... ironic. So William what? Wordsworth, famous for words. Yeah. Victor Caroon doesn't say a word. Speechless, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he lived his later life in a cottage in Grasmere in the Lake District. Oh, and, nice. and he was known to regularly walk the horseshoe, even into his late 70s, which is a high-altitude walk around the Fair, Fairfield Heights, right? And after his death, his cottage was bought by Sting. Oh. Yeah. He, he bought it as a Valentine's Day present for his wife. Show off. Yes. Um, he didn't do much genre-wise or anything. Uh, the only no. thing I've got in here, apart from his Hammer stuff, was he was in two episodes of The Tripods. Oh, I don't know. It's so long since I've seen The Tripods. I watched it on transmission. I, We're I, back I, to tripe again, aren't we? Very good. Very yeah. good. That's your comeback joke. Thank you. Um, and yeah, his Hammer time uh, tally is four. Richard was in four um, Hammer Productions. No, oh, what, what was he in then? Would we have seen him in? Quite a mass experiment, yes. Yeah. The Camp on Blood Island. I've never seen that. I'm guessing he's one of the emaciated prisoners because yeah. he's pretty emaciated he is pretty, here, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's pretty thin and uh, angular. Yeah. He's in The Revenge of Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Who did he play in that? A patient. Oh, okay. Okay. And he's in, in The Curse of the Werewolf. Oh, the Ollie Reed one. Yeah. I've not seen that in years. Nor have I. But, yeah. you know, it, it, we will be It'll seeing it for come this up, show. Yeah. yeah. Um, he played a beggar in The Curse of the Werewolf. Okay. All right. Um, and then, yeah, monster facts then. Here we go. Right. Val Guest, Anthony Hines, and Phil Leakey all agreed that the makeup should be should make Karun appear pitiful rather than ugly. Right. Okay. Yeah, that, I think that's that's a good move, actually, because you, you could have tried to go with he's scary. But, they yeah, because he is an absolutely sympathetic performance isn't it you feel so sorry for him yep you know yep. which is all, all the great monsters you do yep um it then says about that scene you know the first time we see victor sitting up you know and he looks yep. you know changed already it says uh phil leakey placed the light above the actor in the makeup chair and then worked on accentuating the shadows cast by his eyebrows nose chin and cheekbones 
The makeup was a liquid rubber solution mixed with glycerine to give the impression of sweat. Leaky's job was made easier by Wordsworth's natural high cheekbones and hollow temples, and he also worked closely with cinematographer Walter J. Harvey to ensure the lighting in each shot emphasised Wordsworth's features, which is what you do, you know? Yeah. You, you, you work on what you've got and accentuate stuff, don't you? Yeah, which which is, you know, what Jack Pierce did with Karloff, wasn't it? Yeah. You, yeah. you you accentuate what's already there, um, which, you know, in this case works just as well, I think. Yep. It says, Phil also created Karun's mutating arm. The hand was created from a cast of the hand of an arthritis victim, enlarged Ooh. and exaggerated by Leakey. The rest of the arm was built up using latex and rubber, and inside had a series of plastic tubes through which fluid was pumped to give the effect of the arm swelling. We never really saw that. We don't really see that. No, that's a shame. Because it is a good arm. You see, the only time you really see it is in the chemist section. Uh, And it does look like a really good arm. You see it a lot in uh, promotional shots, don't you? Yes, you do. And and in the Alan Frank books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Phil also made the the desiccated, that desiccated corpse. Oh, yeah. Um, Les Bowie provided the special effects. He had made his name perfecting an improved technique for matte painting called the Deliate, de, I knew I was going to get this wrong. <laughs> delineating mat. All right. Um, and had formed a company providing mats for, for films. Uh, and in this film, uh, he provided a number of them to enhance the scale of certain key shots in the film, including the crashed rocket, as yep. I say, the top half, the a- Westminster Abbey set, and the shot uh, of Quatermus right. walking away from the Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Partly because of the concerns raised by the BBFC and partly on account of the low budget, Val Guest kept the creature largely off-screen for much of the film, feeling that audiences' imaginations would fill in the blanks more effectively than he and the special effects team could deliver on screen. And I think that's right. If you had seen an Very effect wise, of yeah. the monster climbing up that wall, yeah, it would, it have would been the not same. have worked. It's, um, it's the same thing that saved Jaws, wasn't it? Yeah. The the the. the shark didn't work so it turned into a psychological you didn't see it and i think yeah it could there's so much benefits from not seeing the monster yeah. um although as a kid i would have loved to have seen more of the monster but yeah the film benefits from it so it was a good call on their part yep it says for the end scenes at westminster abbey les bowie created a monster from tripe and rubber and photographed it against a model of the abbey there are also a couple of close-up shots using an octopus, apparently fastened down out of water and with a few spikes appended to its sack, which is ultimately set afire. Sparks and fireworks were used for the shots of the creature being electrocuted. And here we go. This is what you, you, you just mentioned. It was actually Michael Carreras who, who right. thought it needed a face. It said, uh, when he first watched the scene... There was this great glob of something hanging about on the scaffolding and they had put in the best music they could and put the best effects on it, but it meant nothing as far as I was concerned. Absolutely nothing at all. An eye was added to the model of the monster and a human scream added to the soundtrack to give the creature some semblance of humanity in its final moments. But this is, in fact, where the octopus was used. So killing an octopus gives the model humanity. I don't. I don't agree with their octopus killing policies, but I do agree with their humanising it policy um, because it does add that scream at the end does add to it, and the close-ups are creepy. Um, 
but I never knew it was an octopus. I just thought it was an effect. So next time I watch it, it's going to be, I'm going to have to watch it with a mind's eye of this is a creature being tortured for yeah. my pleasure. Well, here we go. We've got we've got a vote on Victor Caroon. Yep. Um, you know, all the many stages of him. And yep. that is something that will temper. It certainly tempered, tempered my um, my voting on the design of it, of what we see right. of the Karoon creature. So what do you give Karoon for the design? Um, yeah, I think, I think he would have been a lot. I think I'm going to have to, like you, I'm going to have to temper that. Because someone made the conscious decision to to torture an octopus, um, which I know is hypocritical of me, because I happily eat meat and stuff like that. But it's like mm, it does feel wrong, doesn't it? But design-wise, I I really I think the 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 human Victor Croon is great. The zoo version is great, and I, I I've always thought the end version looked great. I didn't realize it was an octopus, um, but so I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. And eight, yeah, that's what I gave it because you know, yeah, it's inexcusable to use. Yes, uh, yeah, I think um, I think that we have to acknowledge that fact. <coughs> yeah, and, and it's like when you find you what your, your favourite western, you find out that eight horses died. Yeah, you can't look uh, at it again. No, you can't in the same way, can you? And and how effective is Richard um, Wordsworth and the makeup? Uh Richard Wordsworth is. I think perfect. Um, even though it is a real octopus, I think as a sequence, if you didn't know and I didn't know, it it's a great sequence. It's perfect. So I, I'm I'm going to give it a ten out of ten for effectiveness. I've already got ten written down because yeah. I knew you were going to yeah. say that. Yeah, it's, it is. It's, it works on every level. Mm. The the Wordsworth stuff is the best, but at least at the end, it isn't just a you know, a, a cheap blob or something like that. It could have been so badly handled. It is, and it's uncanny. You know, I mean, if you don't know it's an octopus dying, it's, yeah, it, it is very well done. Yeah, yeah. I would have given it a 10, but yeah, I can't excuse what yeah. they've done. So I gave it a nine. So that's, that's, fair. that's yeah. nine and a half. So that's a, a final tally of 8.75. So we round yep. that up to 8.8, which puts Victor Caroon in second place. Oh, right. After Christopher Lee's Dracula from Dracula. Fair enough. I think that's and it. right next door to Giles Barton. Yeah. <laughs> from Lust for he's, a Vampire. He's a slimy creature of a different type. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's well-placed. Um, oh, I think Caroon. that's fair. I think it's a fair place. And, of course, this was the the film that put Hammer on the map, wasn't it? From, um, from, from this, yeah. everything. Everything to, springs from, yeah. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. This is the jumping point for them. Um, all right, so uh, the next thing we do here is uh, this thing we started last time, uh, time and place. We've definitely got a time and a place. It's 1950s yep. London. All right, so um, that goes on the list. Um, no surly innkeeper this time. So No, no, we didn't get one. No. And we don't even see in a pub, do we? I don't no. No, normally this sort of film you'd have a pub in there. You're doing quite a mass in the pit. But you not, do, yes, yeah, yeah, not here. Yeah. Um I, I again I think I know the answer to, to this one. Where does this go in your top ten so far? Uh number one. I knew it. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly think this is this is a near perfect film. And it holds up. It's still scary. It's still atmospheric. 
the performances other than one are near on perfect. Uh, I love Brian Donnell every year. Quite a massy is by far my favourite. Um, yeah, I, I love it. It's a great film. All right, um, my, I, I'm putting mine at number two. Okay. Right after Dracula, um, it would be number one if it had been Andre Morel. You right. know? It'd have been a very different film, I think. But if you had it'd Andre, be interesting, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it'd be interesting to see as we do each crater mass, which order they go in. Yeah. 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 Well, um, stay tuned. Although we're going to spread these out, aren't we? Um, we are. All yes, of this, um, all, all of our different, you know, I never use the word franchise when talking about films, but series, you know, the Draculas, the Frankensteins, yeah. the Quater Mass, the Mummies. Um, we're going to spread them all out, you know, uh, across the duration of this uh, of this show. Yeah. All right. So it's going to be a while, but we've got plans for the second Quater Mass, not Quater Mass 2, but the next time we talk Quater Mass, because we might have a guest uh, with us. May we not? We won't say any more. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're nearly done. Um, but before we go, it's been a long one. I mean, it's an hour and 26. No one of my yeah. throat's getting sore. Uh, yeah, as promised, threatened last time, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you what happened at the uh, oh, premiere. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah, you, you've been to a, a genuine Hammer premiere not only, Not only, not only a Hammer premiere, a Hammer world premiere. Can world just, premiere, yeah. Can I just point out, yes, because, yes, listen, the last time you listened to us, um, I was three days away from going to the premiere of Dr. Jekyll. Um, and I said, I'll hold off on uh, saying anything about it until our next recording, which we yeah. are doing right you now. You haven't even spoken anything to me about it. I haven't said anything I to I don't know whether Ian you liked it, it you hated it, whether you got abused in London for somehow. I don't know. Right. So let me rewind you back a couple of weeks. Okay. Are you back a couple of weeks, Ian? Yep. Two weeks ago. Yep. Are you got back it. a couple of weeks ago, listener? Right. So... Off we go then. I got these two tickets. Um, uh, um, I didn't. I, I wasn't sent them at all or anything like that. We were just told, like the day before, yep. where to go you, to, to pick them up. And you won them on Facebook. That's right. On it? Facebook, yeah. Hammer yeah. Films. They have a their own Facebook page, and um, you know they just all of a sudden on, on like a Monday. This is like the Monday before the week before the premiere. Would you like to be in? Uh, in with a chance of winning two tickets to uh, the premiere next week of uh, Dr. Jekyll. Just like this comment and share this thing, which is what I did. And, <coughs> excuse me, um, yeah, on, on the Friday before, I got an email saying, congratulations, you've won. And uh, and that's when I told you, and that's when I told yep. the listener and everything, and got very excited. And um, at first I thought, no, this is some sort of like scam or something like that, yeah. you know. But no, it was genuine, and I got emails from Hammer saying, uh, right, um, this is what you've got to do. You've got to go up to Leicester Square. Um, uh, doors open at 6. Uh, guests must be seated by 6.45. All right. Okay. So uh, luckily, my wife was off that day. So, uh, yeah, I, I went off to work. It was very bizarre, you know, at work. And I finished work at, like, half past two. And it's like, right, I'm off to a world premiere now tell you about it in the morning <laughs> you, you probably shouldn't have worn your dicky uh suit your, your bow tie and that to work you should have changed <laughs> well this is the thing the first question was what the blooming heck am i going to wear yeah. right um uh, and dress code was dressed as your best self 
It's like, it that's a lot. Tell you a lot, does yeah. it? So I decided. My best self is a tramp. <laughs> <laughs> I decided I, I, I would wear a suit, right? Yep. So uh, I, I wore my black suit. So I looked a bit like a reservoir dog. Um, and so, yeah, up we go to London. Um, we got up there like, we got Leicester Square. Horrible, drizzly night it was. Yeah, um, we got there at great. five o'clock. And uh, right, we, we need a bite to eat. And so we looked around Chinatown and around there for anywhere that would just do, you know, a nice chunky bit of street food. Yeah. But we couldn't find anywhere. So we ended up in McDonald's. I mean, that was classy, that was. Going in was McDonald's. Say, yeah. In a suit. In a suit. Yeah. <laughs> going to a world premiere. Yeah. And it was the McDonald's that's directly across um, Leicester Square from the Odeon Leicester oh, Square. Right. And I thought because, you know, the film's not out until the 27th you know, yeah. which is this coming Friday. It's actually released the day this episode comes out. Oh, so, so this is handy timing. Yeah, I'm quite uh, happy that I, I, I don't have to worry about spoilers because, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It, 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 it was made to be, wasn't it? So, um, yeah. So, Did yeah, you have I, to sign a, a, like a non-disclosure? Yeah, there, was a, there yeah. was a thing saying, you know, anything you see, anything you hear, you are not to repeat. You are not to... There was an embargo on talking about the, the film until it's been released. So, again, wow. I'm quite happy to actually talk about it now. Um, and I've seen lots, so many people on the various Hammer Facebook pages slagging it off, right? right. And they haven't seen it. They've judged it by say, can, a yeah. trailer, right? And so many people think because Eddie Izzard is the main person that it's a comedy which yeah. it isn't okay so anyway we go up there i'm having a mcdonald's we had been told to pick them up uh, our tickets up from the other odeon that's in leicester square so i went across yeah. there beautiful envelope with beautiful tickets um so did you keep them yeah 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 got me here yeah. got me here nice little memento um <coughs> excuse me um so it gets to about what ten to six, and it's like let's go on over. So we we cross the square, and I thought because it's not out until you know this Friday, so yeah, you, you, you know it's going to be nearly three weeks that it wouldn't be on the hoardings, you know, because it's not out for three weeks. But yeah. no, it's there. Um, again, on Facebook page after you listen to this listener, um, the day after this, I'll be putting up the photos from it. Um, and you'll see, it, the, it's the Odeon Leicester Square, massive great hoardings and everything. So we get there, we, we, we go across, there's a big red carpet, not the, the narrow strip carpet, like you're walking a red plank. Yeah. It's not like that. I went to a royal premiere there, there um, in the 80s, and, and that's what that was. But this is the whole outside bit of the uh, square was red carpet, right? Right. And... Um, Basically, you had two... <laughs> I'd like to have properly seen the other one. You had two queuing points. One said guests, and the other one didn't say what, but it became evident that the other one was for the celebrities. Oh, right. Or, oh, they made the right. celebs queue up. Yeah, and I could kind of sort of see tops of heads, but there was about, I don't know, 10 or 15 people in front of us in the queue, so I couldn't actually see who they were, right? So we're queuing there, um, and... Um, as I say, I can see the heads of the whoever they were, and the paparazzi are on that side yeah. as well. All right, all waiting. And there was a small group of uh, of people, um, you know, congregating because they knew the premiere was on. Oh, by the way, when I went to that other Odeon to pick the uh, tickets up, there were so many Hammer fanboys. 
really? just milling around. Yeah. So I, I don't know where they were when we were queuing up, but they must have come back at some point. It's just like when you go to a film convention, you know, and they all yeah. had their Hammer T-shirts and that. I, maybe they were, were in the audience. I don't know. I certainly didn't see them in, in the cinema. So anyway, we're queuing up, right? And this is like 10 to 6. And there's a tall guy in front of me, okay, tall, slim, black guy. And um, all, of, all of some people keep going up to him and asking for selfies right. with him, right? I don't know who he was, but I had to keep getting out of the way because I was kind of like, because I'm tall as well. I was kind of like photobombing. Yeah, right. So I had to keep stepping out of the way. Who was no, I, th- I think I would have recognized him. Uh, my wife thinks he might have been a um, some a, a rapper or something like that. Oh, right. But uh, yeah, and you're uh, not up on the latest rappers, there. No, no, strange. <laughs> and I didn't. I mean, we, we were talking to him. Oh, we, wouldn't we, it be great if it had been MC Hammer? Uh, at Hammer time, that yeah. would have been great. That that would have been great. I I did talk to him a little bit, and I didn't feel yep. like saying, "Why are you famous?" Yeah, who are you again? Yeah. yeah. So. There we are, we're waiting, and it's about 5-2, and uh, all of a sudden, walking past with his wife, is uh, Jonathan Rigby. Do you know who jo- Jonathan Rigby is? Doesn't ring a bell, no. You would know him. It's not, uh, it's not uh, the real Rigsby, is it? Not Rigsby, Rigby. No. He's, oh, Rigsby. He's on all your Blu-rays and DVDs, Hammer DVDs. Oh, okay. He's one of the talking heads that you get, right. you know, on documentaries. He is a hammer expert, and he's one of my my uh, favourite ones because he's very well spoken and he's very funny, right? And uh, and he walked past, right? And I, okay. I I have this tradition of uh, you know talking to famous people, and I couldn't help myself, so I stepped out the queue, and I went up to him. And I said, uh, can I say, after seeing you so many times on my DVDs, uh, it's hard to believe you're actually real, <laughs> like this, which made him and his wife laugh. And I said, you're real, aren't you? And I gave him a poke. And uh, and I said, uh, are you looking forward to it? And he goes, yeah, 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 I am. I said, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting, you know, um, um, you know, Hammer's third version of Dr. Yeah. Jekyll. And he kind of like frowned at me and he went, third? Don't you mean fourth? And I went, fourth? And he went, the ugly duckling. And it's like, oh, of course. There's the Bernard Breslau one. Do you remember? I don't remember that one at all. It's a lost film. Oh, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, in the very early, late 50s, early 60s, they did a comedy version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with Bernard Breslau, where, as you know, Henry Jekyll, he's this meek, mild-mannered little clerk Takes right. the potion and he becomes this spiv, right? I have no, I had no idea about this one. Yeah, so yeah, that put me in my place. <laughs> oh dear! And I said to him, "That's why you're on the DVDs and I am not." You know. So anyway, that was nice. Um, I, I I wish I'd thought to have had a photo taken with him, but uh, but didn't think about it. So yeah, we go in, we look at our tickets, and we are row A. Okay, so we're at we're in the front row. Oh, wow. stalls, which, you know, normally you wouldn't choose that, would you? No, um, not to watch a film. No, no. and not at the ne- Obi and Leicester Square. Galore. Yeah, because, yeah, exactly, because the screen there must be a good, what, 60 foot, 70 foot wide. Yeah. So we're sat there, we sit down, and we've got complimentary popcorn and um, and drinks, okay? And the screen is absolutely massive <laughs> in front <laughs> of us. But 
they, they've, I mean, I don't know how much it is for a ticket in there now. It's about 25 quid a ticket or something like that. That you're in, in leather armchairs that oh, actually creaky, creaky. Oh, no, they were really good because oh, they right. reclined. They, they, they electrically recline. So what I did was I reclined my seat right back. So it was almost like I was in a dentist chair, <laughs> right? I was virtually laying back to get all the screen in, all right? And um, who is that guy? Is, is it Matthew Sweet? He's a big expert on Doctor Who. He's on all the Talking Head documentaries on Doctor Ooh, Who. I, I, I think don't it's know. Matthew Sweet. Yeah, I'm was, sure that's his name. Was he Let there? Look. Yeah, he, he introduced it. He came up on stage. I mean, yeah, he's on a lot of the Doctor Who DVDs. He's on Channel 4 a lot. He talks about, you know, media and the latest trends and things like this, you know. Matthew Sweet is a cultural historian, journalist, broadcaster, yeah. author. Yeah, that's him. Uh, interviewed on many documentaries about television for the BBC and Channel 4. Yeah, that's the fella. That's the fella. Okay. So he comes up on stage to introduce things and um, introduce the new owner of Hammer Films. Right. Who is John Gore. And as everybody says, you know, um, a great name for somebody who actually owns yeah. Hammer. And, um, yeah, he gave a talk. And he's been a big Hammer fan since he was little. Um, there was photos up on the screen behind him of, you know, him when he's dressed as Dracula uh, for his birthday when he's like 10. And right. he's a big Hammer fan and everything. And he was talking about this, that and the other and how, you know, he, he, his main business is uh, live music events. Right. And he's like one of the biggest in the world, you know. And this is, this is where... Uh, this factors in now into what I thought of the film in that my thought was that he bought Hammer and the film I was about to see was the first film made by the, you know, the newly reinvigorated yeah. Hammer. That is not the case. The, the film was done and dusted, was made. He saw it, thought this would be good as a Hammer film. And that's when he bought Hammer. Right. So the film wasn't made as a Hammer film. It wasn't. And this is crucial to what I'm going to say oh, shortly. Oh, dear. Okay. Right? So, and that happened two months before. He only bought Hammer two months ago. Wow. And I didn't know that. I, I didn't, didn't know, know that. that. No, no. And it seems it was a mad rush to get everything changed over so it is a Hammer film. He had assistance from it all from one of his mates, who is Jamie Anderson. Right. So that was odd in the credits to actually see <laughs> Jerry Anderson Productions were involved in it. Um, and, yeah, so he's there. Um, and then up on stage came uh, Eddie Izzard, uh, uh, the producer, the director, and, and some of the uh, uh, actors. They had a little talk. And then when that was done... A, documentary was shown and i hope this documentary comes out when the film comes out you know on blu-ray yeah. in that it was quite an interesting one there, there was mark gattis was on there and uh, a lot of you know uh uh, ex uh existing uh, um surviving still alive hammer people were on there caroline munro was on there um and uh giving their thoughts and there was lots of footage from the hammer films and that was really really good and then the lights came up and then the lights went down and the film started, all right? Right. And 
Right. So the film started and what the best thing about the film for me is what they're going to do because he says, right, John Gore said, this is the the relaunch. This is the start of Hammer again. Uh, we're going to be remaking some of our films. We're going to be creating all new films, right? right. And okay. when the film starts, what they've decided to do, and I thought it was really good and it was the best thing of the film for me, is that they have taken the leaf out of the books of Marvel and DC because when Marvel and DC start, their logo is made up of clips from yes. other yeah. past films. So the Hammer thing is made up of images of Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, great, right. Hammer film, Hammer film. And then we watch the film, right? And... Right. Um, the best thing in it is Eddie Izzard and the guy, right? Because basically the plot is Nina Jekyll lives alone in this big house, all alone apart from a woman uh, who comes in, takes care of him. But Nina Jekyll wants a, a helper. And much like, you know, Jonathan Harker comes along to do the books for, for Dracula, this kid who's on probation there's a probation thing has to get a job and goes there for a job right yeah. and um that's all i'll say about the actual plot there are links to you see henry jekyll there's the the the, the plot line it's some people think oh it's a big transgender thing blah 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 it's going to be another dr jekyll and sister hyde i'm not going to say anything because i don't want to spoil anything all yeah. i'll say about the film is I didn't like it, right? right? I don't think it was very well directed. Um, I know when you're in the Odeon Leicester Square, it's loud, right? And I'm in the front road, so it's going to be chuffing yep. loud. But ev there's a lot of jump scares in it, and they were telegraphed far too easily. You know it's coming, and when it's coming, they threw that music on to, right. to sell it even more. And it's just, no, no. I, I didn't think it was very well made. It's what it is is a low budget, independent psychological thriller with horror overtones, and that's it, right? Right. It's not a Hammer film because, as we keep saying over and over again, Hammer films are fairy tales. Yeah. And in my mind, a Hammer film is never a contemporary film. And when they've done contemporary hammer films if it's a if it's if it's a drama if it's a thriller that's fine but if you're putting the supernatural or or fantasy into it it doesn't work you know the two draculas that they didn't did it didn't work no it, you it, can get away with like like we our subject today quatermass in present time but that's science fiction because it's that's got, science yeah. yeah but yeah as soon as you get supernatural it something about it being in the present day kills it that and that is mm. the problem with it that is the problem with it um to, to my mind that 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 promoting it as a hammer film but hammer films if you got the supernatural the fantasy you know the horror really works better in the past yeah preferably you know but unspecified costs, time in in, in yeah. middle europe you know yeah if you haven't got an existing set of sets and production team that hammer had in their heyday it costs and it sounds like this was very, very low budget. Though. It's very low budget, and it's very yeah. apparent. And and there's nothing wrong More with low TV budget movies, films. Do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. It it just feels very, very confined, yeah. right? 
And and you can do confined. I mean, that Ryan Reynolds film where he was, you know, the yeah, whole film, he, in a box, he's yeah. in a box, you know. Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but this is so low budget. I mean, all you've got in the way of locations is you've got is the guy's flat at the beginning. You've got this yep. big house. You've got a pub for one scene. And you've got the aisle of a supermarket. And right. that's all you got. Wow. And you never see people traveling anywhere. You never see, apart from the road going up to the house, you never see, there's no no, no sense of the outside world. Things... I, yeah, I'm not entirely sure Dr. Jekyll should ever visit a supermarket. I didn't say Dr. Jekyll went to the oh, supermarket. Right. Right. Someone did. Yeah. Um, you never see people traveling anywhere. It feels yeah. such a confined film and and there Such are characters that are mentioned yeah. that you never see it, it's lines of dialogue and yeah i i'm i i really enjoyed the evening out and it was fantastic yeah. um you, you know to go to a premiere of a hammer film but the film itself you know was a letdown if if you'd have been go you know go back when video rental libraries were still a thing if you'd have uh Saturday night, you're looking for a film. You don't want to watch the usual stuff. You see this, you rent it, £2.50. Uh, you watch it Saturday night. Would you have been disappointed and asked for your £2.50 back? If it didn't have Hammer on it, I would yeah. have enjoyed it more. I got my expectations right. up, you know. Yeah. If I didn't go to the premiere and I didn't read any reviews and then I bought it, oh, Hammer yeah. have started, I would have been very disappointed with it. I you know? I'm very, I'm shocked. I did not know this because I've avoided reading anything about it, like the plague. I um, I did not know that it wasn't filmed as a hammer. No, nope, this was is not. this almost this is almost false advertising for me. Hmm. You can't say this film is launching a hammer if you stuck hammer on it afterwards. Yeah, and that is no. what they've done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the disappointment, but the evening itself, I mean, I didn't say, but you know, um, um, while we were waiting to go in, the celebs went in first. Well, Eddie Izzard went in first. We saw him, her, I don't know. We saw Eddie Izzard, uh, doing the whole paparazzi thing. Then there was some woman, I don't know who the hell she was. She was in a gold dress doing the cliche pouting, posing thing and everything. And when we went in, went uh, at six o'clock when we were, went in, Eddie was there being interviewed by all the TV crews were there yeah. and he was walking the line up and that. And, um, and so that was good. Um, but no, I also, I, <laughs> um, it got to about 20 past six, 25 past six. And I knew we had to be seated by quarter two. And, uh, I said to my wife, uh, I need to go to the toilet. I'm going to wait till the last minute. And she's like, no, you should go now. It's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll wait till the last minute, you should go now. And she kept on at me, and it got to half past six, and it, I thought, all right, I'll go now. So I go to go to the loo, go to the back to go out, and Madeline Smith's coming through the door, <laughs> right? And it's like, it's Madeline Smith. So I went up to her, I said, How, hello, Madeline. I said, how nice to see you. Um, how nice. I'm just off to the toilet. <laughs> oh, I, I, I didn't say, also, earlier in the week, I'd found out that, our friend Judy Matheson was yeah. going, you know, and uh, and I said, oh, we are as well. And um, I hadn't seen her at, at that point. And um, I said, oh, so nice to see that they have uh, uh, invited the, the old Hammer folk for along. Yeah. And she's like, less of the old you. And she was brilliant. She was barkingly mad. She's got a touch <laughs> of the old Jacqueline Pierce's about her. She's so energetic, so, you know, uh, 
full of life. Yeah. And uh, it's like, uh, could I have a photo taken with you, please? And she said, of course you can. So let's go outside where there's a bit more light. And uh, I'll hand my phone over to have the photo taken. She gives me a full-on hug, starts caressing my face. And it's like, well, this is rather nice. <laughs> I'm totally where my wife is <laughs> behind me in row A. So, so that was really, really nice. And, uh, and she said, oh, I better get off to my seat. I'm in row F. And I said, oh, we're down in row A. And so off she goes. Apparently, that's where Judy was as well. Judy was actually oh, right. sitting next to her with um, uh, Caroline Munro's uh, two daughters. Caroline couldn't go because she had COVID. Um, oh. And uh, when when we left at the end, I looked across row F, and Madeline was there with these two uh, girls. I, I now know are Caroline's daughters, but no sign of Judy. So I don't know where Judy was. Otherwise, I would have said hi. Um, but no, that was really nice. That 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 was the the, the highlight of the. That's evening. the highlight for you, yeah. Madeline Smith, for goodness' sake, you know. And it's bad the ba- though that that if you go to a film premiere, the film isn't the highlight for you. It it must it must have happened quite a bit you know, um, to the people that go. Um, Oh, and the other thing that that was funny, I mean, after Madeline Smith went off to, um, um, you know, find her seat, I I just popped my head back out into the foyer and it was packed with people and Eddie was still doing all all the chatting and everything. And I'm standing there just looking at it all. And because I'm in a a black suit, black tie, uh, people start handing me their tickets. And it's like, (laughs) I'm not an usher. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a guest. Just because I'm standing by the door in a black suit. So but, you've got that subservient look. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were out by, I think it was about 9.30. So, wow. you know, a reasonable time to get home and go to bed. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was a really good evening. Uh, it would have been better if the film, if I had enjoyed yeah. the film. But worth, you know. worth going for the event. And to say you've been to a Hammer premiere, and I never, even if it isn't a Hammer film. Like I said to you before, you know, I, I could would never have believed that 2012, 2011, 2012, I would show a Hammer film when I showed no. The Woman in Black. And then Let 11 alone. years on from yeah. that, I go to a world premiere of one of theirs, you know? That's mad, but... Oh, it, it sounds like a good evening. That's just... Yeah, I honestly, I was hoping that you would... Because you've not told me anything about it, and I've, I've sort of asked you, did you like it and that, and you won't say. I was hoping you would come on and say, you know what, the naysayers are wrong, it was awesome. But it sounds like it isn't. I've got a feeling... It's, it's, it's going to get a drubbing. It's yeah. going to get a drubbing yeah. from Hammer fans, you know. And it'll be a shame because that'll be the end of another Hammer revival. Well, he was saying this is the yeah. springboard to launch, you know, remakes of our films and new films. Yeah. And uh, it ain't going to be. A, it's not going to earn you if money. Your fir- yeah. If your first one doesn't make money, who's going to invest in it? It's like you know, yeah. Universal trying to yep. you know start yeah. up their new you know horror range with that Tom Cruise mummy didn't go anywhere and that's all gone quiet hasn't it yep yeah oh that is a shame yeah yeah at least you got a snog out of it i I got a hug from madeline smith yes yeah all right and that's we're going up to two hours now another long one my throat is uh (coughs) starting to give up on me so yeah um it's my turn to uh, your turn to choose yes and you don't know do you although i kind of prepped you uh, i have a i have a suspicion it's going to be one of four films because you yes. did ask me to buy a DVD. <laughs> yes, yeah, I've prompted Ian in yeah. the last two weeks. Have you got this uh, collection? And he hint, didn't. Hint, hint, yeah. hint. Because yeah, I mean, we've done three horrors. We've done a science fiction horror. So I thought now we will uh, focus on a Hammer adventure. Yep. All right. So... Which I don't. I didn't own any of them. 
I don't no. think. And does that mean you've never seen any of them? No, I've, I've, I've hardly ever seen it. I've never really... I, I won't even say I've, I've avoided them or anything. I just, they've never really appealed. Right. Because um, I was in it for the monsters and the, the stuff. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I got a horrible feeling, judging by the four titles you've given me, that we're that we're in for a, the dodgy count on this is going to go through the roof. We do a dodgy tally, don't we, on our yeah. Jerry Anderson we show? Do, yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, these the, all four of them could give you high marks on a dodgy yes. tally. And I have indeed chosen one out of that four. And will you get it if I say it's time to get knotted? Knotted. Oh, um, I'm trying to remember which which films are on it. Uh, because there's there's the the tong one, terror of the uh, tongs. Terror of the it's tongs. Not terror of the tongs. Um, I can't remember what other four films. There's there's a pirate one on it. Well, what if I say uh, yeah. I I fancied an Indian? Oh, I can't think of the title of it. But there, yeah, I did read that there's one set in India. India, and it oh, is. It's going to be a lot doing... of brown facing, isn't it? Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh. It, it is the Stranglers of Bombay. Oh, Bombay, yes. Stranglers of Bombay. And um, I've chosen Is this based that on a real account, is it? I uh, apparently, know. yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's the Thuggies, I think. It's the actual, oh, right. you know, okay. as mentioned, you know, in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple yeah. of Doom, the, the, the Thuggy cult. And there's much worshipping of Carly in it. Oh, right. But I chose it because yeah. I wanted to do an adventure. Um, but I chose it because I thought you might find this interesting because there is a massive Doctor Who connection. Oh, to right. It, okay. You know, but 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 don't look it up. Don't look no, into I, anything. I won't look Just at the watch it because yeah. I I, I want to learn. I, I want to hear about your shock. Yes. <laughs> oh, about dear. something in it. All right. Oh, okay. Oh no. It's not going to have Spike Milligan in it as a comedy Indian, is it? It's oh, not dear. as bad as that. All right. Oh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, next time, yeah, Stranglers of Bombay. Stranglers All of right. Bombay. Even All the right. title sounds dodgy. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, I've got to get out of here. I think my throat's just about okay, to no pack problem. up on me. Okay. All right, listener. All right, Ian. See you in two weeks. Yeah. And we're off to uh, Bombay. We're off to India. See you yeah. then. All right. Thanks, Ian. Bye bye. Bye.